0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It is Easter this coming weekend. Every year at this time, the noise promoting things like Easter bunnies and Easter eggs and the call of a long weekend, putting your feet up on a beach towel on a beautiful beach with the sun drenched, you know, atmosphere of what you can do on a long weekend at this time of year, it's quite amazing. But. These things can drown out the significance of the person we celebrate at Easter. Good Friday is the day we remember the crucifixion, and even the Apostle Paul says all of Christianity stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrate on Easter Sunday or Resurrection Day. Any way you look at it, Easter is an extraordinary event. The Bible tells us more than 50 witnesses saw the resurrected Jesus. Over 2,000 years, scholars have debated the events of Easter, where the stone was rolled away and the tomb was found empty. Well, the disciple we sometimes refer to as Doubting Thomas was invited by Jesus to examine the wounds in Jesus' hands and feet. After lots of unmistakable proofs, the disciples eventually saw Jesus ascend to heaven from the Mount of Olives. But the things that will mark our conversation today are not just the facts of the Easter story. But today we're going to talk about the message. What does all this mean to you and to me? Why is this story so important 2,000 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus? Well, our special guest today is Dr. Brian Mulheron. He's the principal at City Point Christian College in Brisbane. Brian's also the author of a book called Jesus, Author and Finisher, Timeless Principles of Christianity. And let me say a very special welcome along to 2020 to Brian Mulheron.
1: Brian, welcome. Morning, Neil. Great to be here.
0: Brian, you're technically in a place where this week you've got students on holidays, but you're still at the helm. Mm. <laughs> Not all principals are still at the helm during the school holidays, but, uh, but you are there in that role. You're in the role as principal. In fact, you're leading a school which is quite a dynamic, significant Christian school. Give us an idea of the number of students you have. Mm. We just have uh, over 1,700
1: Uh, from PrEP to Year 12 and a number of international students as well.
0: A big responsibility on your shoulders, 1,700 students. That's a big school. That's bigger than some of the communities listening to our conversation today. And uh, those responsibilities that you hold are maintaining a Christian ethos in a school's environment because these kids are all growing up In a land where they are distracted on so many levels, and part of your curriculum, no doubt, is to reinforce these uh, wonderful faith issues that you hold so
1: very strongly. And that's the great thing about Australia, is that parents have parental choice in the choice of schooling that they decide for their children. And being faith-based is one of those great things that we can partner with the parents, and uh, that beautiful triangulation of parents, church and school all saying the same thing, I think is great for the formation and the development of those young people's lives. Let's talk about the topic
0: we've gotten together today to discuss. What is so special about Jesus in the lead up to Easter this coming weekend? Give us some impression of your own journey so that we can get a bit of a context as to where you're coming from
1: as we talk about Jesus today. I had the great privilege of uh, growing up uh, in a Catholic family and our parents took us along to church every single Sunday and it really developed that strong uh, faith in knowing who God is, uh, what God has done for us and to establish really uh, an awe and a reverence of a holy God uh, the Catholic Church, I, I think also as a young child, uh, put a little bit of fear into our hearts as to if you aren't doing the right thing, then uh, certain things await you. And uh, I can remember at the age of about eight or nine, or probably around nine actually, uh, my friend who was, lived down a couple of doors from us, uh, we, we used to walk to Mass uh, from Mayfair Street, Carina, to St. Martin's at Carina, which was about oh, nearly two kilometres back in those days. You couldn't do that this day and age, but uh, we used to walk to Mass uh, every day of the week uh, on the school days. So we, uh, I suppose I had a, a desire uh, for God and I suppose a desire not to be on the wrong side of God <laughs> in, uh, in that time.
0: Interesting to talk about your background as growing up as a young Catholic and the fear of God, because what we'd understand from a very, very cursory glance at the scriptures, that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Mm. And yet somehow or other, there are some elements of our Christian community uh, which would somehow or other downplay that fear. And uh, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on this, because uh, the fear of God obviously is a good thing, and yet sometimes we confuse the grace of God with uh, God's goodness and lovingness, uh, and yet there is a certain sense in which uh, it's not completely unconditional because, yes, the fear of God is an important element of our Christian faith.
1: I think that's so true, and I really do thank God for my the whole of my upbringing because with that great foundation of this awe and reverence and respect for God – in my early years, and then at the age of 16, uh, coming to a, a personal uh, relationship faith with God, that God just didn't die for the sins of the whole world, uh, that he died for me. And so it balanced out this uh, awe and fear of God with this relationship with him as well. And I think uh, we need both and, and not either or, because I think either or uh, takes us into a wrong perspective of who God is.
0: And describing your background, uh, growing up in a Catholic family, uh, that's completely almost uh, contrasted to, in some sense, the uh, the ethos of the school that you now lead, because the school that you lead you would call Evangelical Pentecostal. Mm. Uh, So sometimes people talk about, you know, the contrasts between Catholic and Protestant or Evangelical Pentecostal. Uh, How did you come to be in that stream of Christianity?
1: It was a a difficult time for our our family, Um, Mum and Dad. uh, It was around the time of the no-fault divorce coming into play and Mum and Dad um, uh, decided that they would separate. And uh, during that time, Mum was still seeking for, uh, I suppose, a a depth of relationship with God or a deeper relationship with God. And we went to uh, Christian Outreach Centre, as it was known back then, in uh, West End, and it was actually one of the Thursday mornings of a May school holiday that uh, four of us, uh, so one of five boys, but uh, four of us uh, were with mum that morning and after the message, uh, she said, uh, as the uh, uh, pastor at the time uh, was wanting people to respond to those who wanted to believe in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, uh, she actually said, okay, you four boys, go out the front and say that prayer. And as obedient little boys, uh, we uh, went out and we said the prayer. But it, it, something miraculous happened at that particular time. And I, I still today reflecting on just the awe and the wonder of God opening up himself, uh, to me. And my eyes, my, in a sense, my spiritual eyes being open to know that he is real and that he did die for me personally and not just, uh, in a cliche type of way, died for the world. So
0: Easter is coming this weekend and you know and I know that miraculous things happen in the lives of people when they yield themselves to a deeper understanding. Of who Jesus is, because as you say, it's not just an intellectual type of a knowledge, mm. but there's something personal that happens and the miraculous happens in the personal. Uh, what are your thoughts about, you know, the way that some people will intellectualize the story and understanding the message, but what happens miraculously is what happens personally within the heart?
1: Yeah, I think even the way that our world is going very nihilistically, and the focus on self, and even when I say a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, it, it can come across as you know nihilistic in one type of sense. But if it's based upon what has Jesus done for me, and if I just look at what has Jesus done for me, then it's very me-centric. Uh, but really, what Jesus has done for me is taken the self out and put my focus upon him and uh, to live for him instead of living for self. And I think that that's one of the the beauties about Jesus coming from heaven, emptying himself, taking on the form of human flesh and living in a way that was for us and not for himself. He... It was separated from the Father on the cross for us. And so everything that he did was for us. And so how can we uh, respond in a way? And I often hear people say uh, to be Christ-like or to, to live like Jesus. And the invitation: you can copy a person, but I think Christianity is more than just copying the lifestyle of Jesus. Uh, You had Jesus hanging on the cross,
0: uh, dying a brutal death at the hands of those Roman soldiers, and he dies in our place. Sometimes we talk about the substitutionary death of Jesus. In other Mm. words, uh, he was the substitute because we deserved to hang on the cross. Mm. Do you think people appreciate the idea that perhaps in our own sins, Lost in those, we actually deserve to die the same way that Jesus died. But there's something special about the fact that he steps in and takes our place.
1: I don't think humanity really has an idea of really what sin is. Me taking a paperclip from work accidentally and using it at home for my own benefit uh, and not returning it to work uh, is... Uh, in God's eyes, rightly and justly uh, deserving of me spending hell of, in all of eternity. And we as human beings just cannot comprehend, that even if that was the sin that I did, which separated me from God, that that would be the deserving of the punishment. So we have got absolutely no idea of the concept of what sin is in its reality we know good and evil for ourselves, and we think, oh, taking a paper clip from work that's nothing you know it 's a couple of cents and uh, there, there's no harm necessarily in doing that that 's our human perspective, but for God he sees something quite significant of separation from holiness, and I think that that's what people don't understand so for for jesus for for us uh, to think that we should have uh, Died on the cross uh, as Jesus died for us in that substitutionary uh, theory of the atonement. I think we don't have any concept that our sins are bad enough that that would need to take place because we always minimalize the sin in our own eyes. Uh, but if somebody else does a particular sin, then oh, you know, they're a lot worse than than what we are. So we we somehow minimalize sin with our own lives. Of course, we know that there are sins like stealing the
0: paperclip that don't seem to be all that bad, but in the spectrum of all of those sins up to all of the bad sins, mm. uh, that we're all guilty of sin because we are, in fact, in Rebellion against God mm. because in this sinful nature, we're resistant to God, resistant to His great salvation. So, uh, when it comes to this crucifixion and this talk, Good Friday here for a moment. This Friday is Good Friday. At crucifixion Day, it's much more meaningful to appreciate that when Jesus died a death in our place. Uh, that this is something that on a day like Good Friday we can have a deeper appreciation of what that means and why we ought to commemorate that day.
1: Mm. And I think it uh, we do have the concept of a sin is lesser or greater than another sin. Another sin, uh, the uh, writer of the Book of James uh, talks about he who has sinned in one point of the law has sinned in all points, and I think. Uh, the question most ask is How could a good God send a good person like me to hell for all of eternity? And they ask that question. But if we had a, what I call a sinograph, and we measure sin from the least at the top of the graph, you know, to the greatest down the bottom of the graph, like premeditated mass murder compared to, you know, stealing a clip or a little white lie, <laughs> yeah. most of us would put ourselves quite high on the graph. But when we put ourselves quite high on the graph, then our perspective of ourselves then uh, proportionally shows us a different perspective of God. Because if we th- see ourselves as good, we inherently see God as bad and unjust and unfair for sending a good person like me to hell for all of eternity. However, if we believe that if we have seen in one point, we sinned in all, and we see ourselves down the bottom of the graph, then... That position then shows us proportionally again, different proportion that, oh, this God whom we have sinned against is so loving. He is so just and he is fair. He is forgiving. He's gracious. He's merciful to forgive me of that sin. And, uh, you know, the, the parable of, um, you know, the sinner walking into the temple and he could not even raise his eyes, uh, and then the Pharisees there and saying, Oh God, thank you that I'm not like this sinner. You know, who was justified? It was the, the person who humbled themselves and Jesus humbled himself on the cross. If we identify with we and our sin are deserving of, uh, putting, being put away. Uh, but God has graciously made a way for us through Jesus to put away our sin, but then also reconcile us back, uh, to himself. It's one of the most beautiful things about the cross about what represents uh, what is represented on Good Friday.
0: We're talking about what is so special about Jesus. In the lead up to Easter, Brian Mulheron is our guest, the principal at City Point Christian College in Brisbane. He's also author of a book called Jesus, Author and Finisher, Timeless Principles of Christianity. Brian, we were talking about this idea that Jesus was our substitute on the cross. So a look ahead to Crucifixion Day, the idea that we'll remember that Jesus died in our place. But this is not the only thing. Thing that we would understand to give us a more full idea of what it means that Jesus was crucified on the cross. Uh, this idea of atonement is a very powerful concept. What are your thoughts about what happens at Easter and this idea of atonement?
1: Mm. The, the word atonement actually was made up uh, in the English, and I think it was with the, the King James version of the Bible, and it's made up of three words at one mint, And uh, that's exactly what Jesus has done for us on the cross, has made us at one mint with the Father and brought us back into that relationship. Theologians over mm-hmm. millennia have uh, had a look at theories of this making us one with God again. Uh, there's the, as we talked about earlier, the substitutionary theory, the penal theory, the ransom theory, there's a whole lot of different theories, and uh, each of them have uh, portions which that we would all uh, agree with that what Jesus has done for us. Uh, again, getting back to that statement, that nihilistic statement about what Jesus has done for us, there's uh, in the last couple of decades uh, a new theory of the atonement, which really is not new because the Apostle Paul <laughs> actually <laughs> talked about it, uh, the participation theory in the atonement uh, we can we can say, well, Jesus died on the cross for us, and that is true. Uh, however, it's more than just Jesus dying on the cross for us, because Galatians uh, chapter two verse 20 says, "I am crucified with Christ. So it's not just this mental assent or this belief that Jesus two thousand years ago did something for me, It's actually, I participate in the death of Jesus. Romans talks about, if I'm in the likeness of his death, I shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So it's, it's more Christianity is relationship. It is not just theory. It's not just thought or an idealism. It is actually that, uh, and we should reflect on Good Friday, especially that it is I who died with Christ, Jesus died for my sins, yes, but I participated in that death to put an end to myself and then to the rebellion, the selfishness, the separateness that I had from God. And now I've been, if I'm united in his death. Then I can be reunited in His resurrection.
0: Let's talk about uh, the idea that Aussies might have a particular way of thinking about Jesus. What are your thoughts about uh, and impressions about Australian uh, Christianity? Uh, Australians, ordinary Australians, who perhaps these days are one of the the nuns, people who say, "Oh, I'm giving up on all that religious stuff." Mm. Uh, what about your thoughts about Australians and Christianity and Easter?
1: There was a a report done uh, in two thousand and seventeen by McCrindle, who stated that, or their research found that one in twenty nine Australians have never even heard of Jesus. So that's uh, quite alarming. Uh, We're finding, uh, both from young people at the moment and within the church, that there is uh, a biblical illiteracy, and not knowing some of the basic stories of the Bible and especially about Jesus as well. Uh, In the McCrindle study, it also revealed that uh, when they were asked the question, was Jesus important to the world, Uh, 14% of the people said no, not at all. Uh, 33% of the, the people said somewhat. And then fifty three percent said yes, he was significantly important to the world. So fifty three percent of Australians believe that Jesus is a significant historical figure in the life of the, and development of the world, uh, and, and so that's that's encouraging. But when it comes to their personal belief about Jesus' significance in their own life, sixty nine percent of uh, the the people say slightly or not at all. And so only 31% of Australians believe that Jesus has a significant uh, impact on their own personal lives. So that is uh, quite worrying, uh, whereas uh, just even a few decades ago, uh, that figure would have been quite substantially higher. We're taking calls.
0: You might have your own thoughts on what is so special about Jesus. In fact, let's take some calls. Uh, Libby is on the phone from Adelaide. Hello, Libby. Welcome along.
2: Hi. How are you going?
0: Very well, Libby. What are your thoughts for our conversation today?
2: Um, since we're talking about Jesus' um, death and um the Sabbath and so forth, I've been reading a book. It's called A Special Publication from Amazing Facts, The Truth About the Sabbath. And on this particular page, on the left-hand side here, it shows um, the regular Ten Commandments as we see them in the King James Version Bible and so forth. And on the other one, it has the law as changed by the papacy. And I'm checking out here, and apparently the papacy changed, uh, took out the uh, second commandment which relates to images. Is that true?
0: An interesting question here and comes around the Sabbath and uh, it's not so much our conversation today, although, uh, of course, there is uh, an issue with Sabbath and Good Friday. Uh, your thoughts for Libby,
1: Brian? I think what um, it has happened is uh, I'm, I'm not... Actually, sure about that particular reference that you're making there, and whether the papacy did actually remove or not. Uh, so I'm not aware of that. In Colossians chapter two, it talks about uh, let no man judge you in respects of new moons, uh, Sabbaths, and so forth in the in the practice of that. Uh, our understanding of why Christianity now uh, celebrates or largely celebrates the seventh day, Adventists, still celebrate um uh the 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 Sabbath and uh but uh main uh mainstream Christianity and evangelicals celebrate on uh, the Sunday and it appears that in the New Testament the the reason why uh, the church has gone to a Sunday celebration rather than a Saturday or a Sabbath celebration is because of the resurrection and it uh, often, uh, the Apostle Paul and other New Testament writers say we um, came together on the first day of the week, and uh, that is because of the the rebirthing of the church. And there's a whole story, especially in, in John's Gospel, about the analogy with uh, starting out. You know, in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And uh, back to Genesis, and then even in the Garden uh, Tomb. Uh, Jesus is supposed to be the gardener uh, and figuratively looking back to Adam uh, being the first Adam and Jesus being the second Adam and uh, so the connotation being Jesus rising from the dead on the Sunday, the first day of the week, starts off a new week of, of creation and therefore uh, the, um, the celebration of that on the Sunday.
0: Libby from Adelaide, thank you so much for your call one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 if you'd like to join in our conversation, let's take a call Robin is in Mount Morgan, hi Robin
2: Yes, hi, um, I, I love your um, introduction Dr. Brian, very, very balanced and um, I want to emphasise the point of it really, really concerns me in churches um, where we have um, a lot of attitudes like self-righteous I call them Pharisees because I think there are just as many Pharisees today as there were in Jesus' time. Um, and like Jesus said, I mean, what I think is what you said is is very, very important. It has to be a relationship with Jesus, not just knowing facts about him and not just a set of moral laws. And you know, Jesus displayed great compassion. And love and acceptance of people, no matter what they were. Mm. And he even told the Pharisees, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you, um, you know, talking to the Pharisees. So, you know, you don't, people don't need somebody, some self righteous person coming up to them and telling them, now that's a sin, you've got to stop that. Look, that's the Holy Spirit's job. We just need to accept people love them, get to know them because they're obviously struggling with sinful um natures that's beyond them they can't just change themselves.
0: Robin they good thoughts there. Them. Let's get a response from Brian. What are your thoughts for Robin? Thank
1: you, Robin. Yes, I I do believe that um you know we we need to uh have a balanced approach and I think Jesus did have uh, a balanced approach and what uh, the balanced approach for Jesus was um is coming and taking humanity back into relationship with God. And unless we can uh, be the, the friend of, as Jesus said, tax collectors and, and sinners, uh, we we don't identify with them. And And I found in my early years of uh, my Christian faith uh, that my dad uh, didn't um didn't come along on that uh, day that we went to Christian Outreach Centre, and so I was trying to get him to believe uh, now what I have believed—that newfound faith—and he uh, thought that I was coming from a, a self-righteous position. And and I think, uh, you know, in hindsight, going back, I, I think it is—it is being with uh, people with where they're at and taking them on the on the journey, and. You know, that beautiful song, uh, Just As I Am, without one plea. You know, I, I come to Jesus, and uh, people can come to Jesus uh, just as they are, and then he will work within their life. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came to the world to save the world. And um, and so even though Jesus, uh, with the woman in adultery, uh, he According to the law, she was deserving to be stoned to death. Um, Jesus both uh, gave her grace uh, but also said, do not sin. And so it's that uh, grace that is there that leads us and that kindness of God that leads us towards our repentance,
0: Robin. Thank you
1: so much for your call.
0: Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Jason in Victoria. Hi, Jason. Welcome.
2: Hi, Brian, and hi, Neil. How are you guys?
0: Great to hear Great from thing. you,
2: Jason. I'd like to say that since I came to know Jesus, in, to have a relationship with Jesus, Easter means more to me than it did before I had a relationship with Him.
0: Mm. Easter is a powerful time, and uh, it ought to be, it ought to re-trigger uh, some of these feelings, understandings, knowings uh, that we have had in that initial encounter that
1: we've had with Christ. What are your thoughts for Jason? Yeah, uh, being brought up in the Catholic Church, I've had a look uh, back into uh, some of the, the, the Jesuit, um, what they call examines, and they, they talk about uh, going through the, the darkness of the the cross and the identification with our sin uh, in that dark place, and one of the traditional things that we we had a, a, a tenebrae service for our uh, high school, and it's not something that we normally would do in a evangelical charismatic Pentecostal type of setting, but uh, to take it into that reflective mode of the contemplation of our sin the depth and depravity of that and then uh, to take us to that depth and the end of ourself in the person of Jesus and then the beauty of the resurrection and the joy that then comes from the reflection on the resurrection. And and so I think it is it's one of the most powerful times of year where we can reflect on exactly what Jesus has done for us and uh, to, to take that time.
0: Thank you so much, Jason, in Victoria. Let's continue to take some calls. Val is on the line from Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Val. Welcome. Hello. Val, lovely to hear from you. What are your thoughts today?
3: Um, I was just um, thinking to share that um, the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem and was acclaimed by the crowds, uh, that was the day of the choosing of the lamb. Uh, in the original instructions, a lamb had to be chosen on a certain day of the month, the tenth day of the month. And so uh, that's why Jesus said, if these should be quiet, um, the very stones would cry out because this was the day of the choosing of the lamb and nothing was going to stop it.
0: Okay, and so you know, we've got uh, to historically days, here... Uh, so you've got uh, Palm Sunday, the day Jesus enters mm. into Jerusalem, and uh, you're saying that's the date uh, that uh, typically lamb a chosen. lamb would be chosen for the Passover. Uh, your yes, thoughts here, and, Brian? For, for, sorry, the value lamb was finished. killed
3: on the 14th, and it had to be perfect. That's why Jesus went into the temple for those next few days, and he was questioned by... Uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, etc., etc., and nobody could find any fault with him. And then finally, after seeing the high priest and the king, every authority in the land, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Mm. The lamb had to be perfect. So it was testified by God at his baptism, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, and by man, that he was perfect.
1: Great
0: thoughts there, Val. Let's get a response from Brian.
1: I firmly believe that God, when he instituted all of the uh, festivals and feasts throughout the Old Testament and on the specific days that they were to be celebrated, Jesus actually uh, fulfilled those, uh, when he was here on the planet, he fulfilled those feasts exactly on the particular days that they were, were set. And so I think that is a, a testament to God knowing the end from the beginning and, and prophesying those things that uh, are not yet as though they were. And so he uh, has got Jesus on the, uh, at the time the day of Pentecost was exactly the the, the same. And, yes, it, it just it proves um, uh, God's foreknowledge and not only God's foreknowledge but uh, his uh, plan throughout Uh, even before the foundation of the world, to set in motion our redemption.
0: And Val, honor to you because great thoughts in that because when you describe those sorts of things, you're affirming the authenticity of who Jesus is. As we reflect back to John the Baptist who said, you know, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, uh, Passover time that happened at that very first Easter and how Jesus is the Passover Lamb and very, very powerful thoughts and certainly worthy of some more Uh, Discussion and more reading, although we won't be doing too much of that today because we're running short of time. Thank you so much. Uh, Great to hear from you, Val. Let's hear from Linda, who is in Brisbane. Hi, Linda.
2: Hi, Neil. Yeah, and um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for this lovely uh, discussion. I I just want to talk about the goodness of God and the goodness of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I mean, I think until we really understand come to the knowledge that it's, you know, the goodness of him that brings us to repentance. Mm. And if the world only knew how much we are loved, and, and that act of love that God did by sending Jesus, um, until we really come to understand the good, how much he loves us, you know, and I, my prayer is for the world to know the goodness of God. And I think when, when people understand how good he is and how wonderful he is, they will come to him. And that's all I wanted to say. I just thank you so much for your program. You do such a great job with Vision Christian Radio. And bless you. Bless you so
0: much. Linda, wonderful to hear from you. Well, let's get a thought or two
1: from Brian. Wholeheartedly agree with you, Linda. The, the goodness of God is something which, uh, yeah, I've experienced personally but would love uh, the rest of the world to be able to know and to understand as well. I, I think one well, when people think about God as a as a harsh and a cruel God and about hell and uh, really they don't understand that um, in in one sense God doesn't send people to hell. Uh, people are already separated from Him and destined there already. And what actually God is doing is trying to redeem us and to rescue us from that pathway. So that's. His goodness of what He's done in and through Jesus, His Son, dying for us, is that uh, Jesus took that and He, um, you know, He paid the penalty that we were all deserving, so that we wouldn't have to go there. Uh, and so that's the the gracious and the kindness of God that. He, he really is trying to rescue us. He is not trying to condemn us.
0: Linda from Brisbane, thank you so much for calling in with your uh, little input there today. Just wonderful and running out of time. Interesting because through this conversation, I have been referring to this coming Friday as Crucifixion Day. And I've been referring to the Sunday, Easter Sunday, as Resurrection Day, but Linda raises the very, very beautiful point that this Friday is called Good Friday. Mm. Uh, Good Friday needs to be rein- uh, just uh, uh, somehow rather just. Um, uh, affirmed because the goodness of God comes through what all of the the brutal uh, destruction of a human person uh, that happens in the death on a cross. But this is actually good news, Brian. It
1: It is the best news. When we truly realize, and this is what we do have to realize and thank goodness for the Holy Spirit, that we can know that we have sinned against God and every single person has sinned. There's not any one of us that has ever lived on the planet other than Jesus that has not done something wrong and have been separated from God. And God, as a loving Father, doesn't want us to be separated from him. And so he made the way for Jesus to come and to die in our place. And it's, all, all, all sin has to go to hell. Either we can believe that Jesus took it there on our behalf uh, and left it there, or we have to take it there ourselves, And God doesn't want us to be separated from him or to live a life now separated from him and the beauty of the goodness of God. And that's, that's one thing I can't understand with people in the world, just even logically speaking. When you think about the person of Jesus, he only ever did things that were loving, kind, considerate, uh, helpful, serving. He's just the epitome of the perfect goodness personified. And why people ridicule him, persecute him, it is a mystery, and sin is a mystery. <laughs> Well, we've almost
0: run out of time, but I wonder whether your encouragement for people this weekend, Brian, and, you know, we can encourage people to have an encounter with Christ right now, but uh, Good Friday is coming this Friday. Uh, There'll be Resurrection Sunday on the Sunday, two opportunities to connect with a local church Mm -hmm. that will be remembering these two events and an opportunity to have an encounter with Christ a personal encounter on either of those days. What's your encouragement to people listening to us today, coming from all sorts of different backgrounds, some who never go to church, mm. uh, accidentally listening to our conversation and saying, Well, uh, I never even thought about this for Easter. Uh, what's your encouragement to people this weekend to make the most of the opportunity?
1: Well, the greatest encouragement is that Australians still at Easter and Christmas time do generally go to church, which is just fantastic. But, uh, but just don't go just for the sake of the, the ritual or it's the thing to do, but go to know him, go to encounter him, go to reflect and allow him, uh, to touch your heart, to encounter your life and to reflect on his goodness and what he's done for them.
0: Well, Brian Mulheron, just wonderful getting your insights today. Brian is the principal of a 1,700-strong school in Brisbane. It's a Christian college. It's called City Point Christian College. It is large, and uh, those students, all under your care, Brian, honour to you because you take that responsibility on your shoulders. Uh, You take it very seriously. It's a wonderful school. Uh, And you're also the author of the book called Jesus, Author and Finisher, Timeless Principles of Christianity, and it's available if you go online at Amazon or at Korong Books and uh, get a hold of Brian's book, Jesus, Author and Finisher, Timeless Principles of Christianity. Uh, Brian, wonderful to have you in, and uh, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020.
1: Thank you so much, Neil, and I really do pray that uh, all of your listeners will be able to Reflect so powerfully on Easter this weekend and the beauty of who God is uh, and His love toward us. Before you go, thanks for listening.
0: There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, vision is listener supported.